0: Let's
1: go do our job, man! NFL Nation 2. Time is here! On ESPN Radio, the Minnesota Vikings.
2: Go.
3: This is Kevin Seifert covering the Vikings. There might be other Vikings camp storylines with more relevance specifically to the 2023 season, but in the big picture, nothing is more important than answering whether Kirk Cousins, whose contract expires next spring, can compel the team to extend his deal. That question will hover over every day of the Vikings summer, fall, and winter. Cousins did find a groove during the second half of last season, and there is hope that he will carry that into training camp and the regular season this year. If so, the Vikings likely will try to bring him back for 2024 and possibly beyond. But if he does not, or he simply shows his age, he'll turn 35 in August after all. The Vikings will go into scramble mode next winter. Veteran backup Nick Mullins is not a likely heir, and unless fifth-round rookie Jaron Hall puts on a show in training camp, the team will be forced to find a new immediate starter.
1: Countdown to kickoff with NFL Nation 2 days on ESPN Radio. The
4: Minnesota Vikings, a team... That finished this past season with 13 wins, Andre. Andre Snellings, Amber Wilson with you here on ESPNU and on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio presented to you by Progressive Insurance, a team with 13 wins last season that nobody believed in. I mean that petered out at the end, it, it, certainly in terms of the postseason. that wasn't surprising to anybody. and if you finished thirteen and four, it should have been surprising to somebody anyways,
3: yeah, I mean, everybody called it. everybody said that they weren't really quote unquote a thirteen win team, even though what did Parcells say you are, what your your stats say or mm-hmm. what your record said you are. But, you know, they won like every close one possession game. I remember there was a stat about it last year that they were winning games that they weren't supposed to uh, win over time. And it came back to bite them in the playoffs last season.
4: It did. It came back to bite them in the postseason. And one of the references to those close games over and over again is that statistically they weren't supposed to be winning those games, but also because it's a Kirk Cousins quarterback who has been criticized over and over again for not being able to win in the biggest moments, right? When the lights are the brightest, he's not a primetime quarterback, and he's not the guy who you can rely on when your backs are against the wall. You want, you could argue, Andre, that when you win all those one-score games last season, And in fact, Kirk Cousins is that dude, right? Like he is the guy, in fact, that you can win. You can come back from behind and win with the guy who can show that tenacity. But the reason that the Vikings were in that situation over and over again is because they would actually start those games hot because offensively they were pretty good. And so they would start those games hot. They would get out ahead of those teams. And then all of a sudden they would fall behind in the middle phase of the game because that defense was underperforming and not... Not at all living up to the expectations that we had for that team defensively. So then they would have to engineer a comeback at the end of the game. And Kirk Cousins was able to do that time and time again, but it was a bit of fool's gold. There was real deficiencies there. That is the reason that those games were so close and that they had to continuously come back from behind. So two things happened. The win-loss column looked better than really it should have looked statistically speaking when you break it all down with the weaknesses of that team, but also Kirk Cousins did prove himself as the quarterback that can win in those big moments That can win the close ones he can win when you want him to because the win-loss column despite our criticisms of it still said 13 on the right side of that win-loss column and so Kirk Cousins does not end up getting moved on from which was all the talk even last season you heard it there from Kevin on the intro it's going to be the talk this season because now he's on an expiring deal this past season he was on a deal that was getting workable easy to move on from. And because of that, a lot of people thought that they might address the quarterback position in the draft. They did not do that. Instead, they decided to put some of those efforts there into the defense, try to shore up some of those weaknesses and improve in the area that they needed to the most, particularly in cornerback. They also draft a receiver there in the first round of the draft and Addison that I think could be a big addition to that offense. Another weapon there for Kirk Cousins. Of course, he also loses weapons with the departure of guys like Dalvin Cook. Kirk, Kirk Cousins is a quarterback who has become lovable to me from the show quarterback and I'm trying not to let that enter my analysis because it happens with me it's what has happened I think with Dan Campbell with Hard Knocks everyone all sold on the Lions and I think it was too soon it was because of the sound bites in Hard Knocks you watch these guys behind the scene and then you like them then I like Kirk Cousins because of that darn quarterback show on Netflix he's so likable his family his wife they're all so cute such likable people he works so 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 hard the amount of work it takes to be a starting quarterback in the national football league but particularly for that dude who's a vet who still hones in on his craft and tries to improve every season he's very likable i don't know if he ends up staying in minnesota after this season
3: yeah you know that quarterback show seems to be so polarizing for cousins like People either love him the way that you keep talking about. He was likable, or I've heard so many people like, ah, oh, you know, he takes the whole day off. You know what makes him special? Yeah, and- <laughs>
4: but he takes it off to spend with his kids. He takes a day off. He takes Tuesdays off. <laughs> you know? No football on Tuesdays, and it spent. He spends it with his kids. They go to school. He drops them off. He's mm-hmm. daddy. He's involved, an daddy. And then he spends the day with his wife, and they <laughs> get that they her love language. It's 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 in person time. Watch quarterbacks. It's a great show. Yeah.
3: Yeah, no. My wife absolutely loved that uh, aspect of of, of his storyline as well.
4: Yeah, See, yeah. What wife wouldn't like that? That's probably why I'm into it with Kirk Cousins. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this guy's great. He takes <laughs> the day off from from his incredibly high paying, important, and pressure filled job just to spend it with his wife and go for a walk with their dog. Like that's a that's a good dude right there. That what's Kirk not Kressens. to love? <laughs> what's know? not to love? Well, some people don't love him as the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. 13 wins, Andre. Yeah. A 13 win team.
3: Yeah, he, he's like the best quarterback that nobody in the general public thinks is a good quarterback. Like, you know, and it's been that way for like a decade. Mm -hmm. I remember at first he was putting up great fantasy football stat seasons and people were like, ah, but that's not real. It's just fantasy stats. Then he started doing more winning and they said, ah, but he can't win in prime time. He can't win the close games. Now he's winning the close games. Like you just pointed out. And still, he doesn't get much respect outside of the football field. But when they did that vote of of top 100 players, uh, voted on by the players, I believe he finished as the seventh best quarterback on the list. You know, ahead of Aaron Rodgers, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, I think
4: it might have even been sixth. Yeah, he was high he was yeah, on that list. He yeah. gets the respect of his peers. Yeah,
3: I mean, he was higher than a deity. So, you know, <laughs> clearly he must be doing something right on the field. I, I do really like what the Vikings— have on offense outside of the running back position? You know, there are questions there. But, you know, Justin Jefferson arguably the best wide receiver in football you know i'm gonna go with his old teammate jamar chase but you know justin jefferson's right there they brought in jordan addison um they got t- traded for tj hawkinson last off season. i mean last season um to be a, a tight end threat down the field and they've got one of the best offensive lines in football so they should still be able to put points on the board consistently this season and they're in a very winnable division um, the, 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 NFC North, as we talked about, it seems like everyone's kind of anointing the lions is the next one up, but the Vikings won 13 games last season. They could take a big step back and still win 10 games. So I expect them to be in the mix and I expect cousins to put up another big season because that's what he does.
4: I, I think also defensively, cause I talked about how that was a big weakness for this team in Minnesota, them, them putting some offseason efforts into the defense. I, I mentioned drafting corners there. They did try to upgrade that defense in terms of personnel, but I think more importantly here is moving on from Donatel as your DC because they figured out, hey, this isn't working. Brian Flores is there and Brian Flores is a coordinator that I very much believed in, even when he was the head coach of the Miami Dolphins and during the tenure as head coach things didn't go according to plan there for my Miami Dolphins, however defense. They did. I mean, defensively, that team took a step back this past season, Andre, once Brian Flores departed. And even though they even kept the DC in place there, who was under Brian Flores in Miami, it was obviously Flores. That was the difference there because it did not look the same once Mike McDaniel took over the helm defensively, even though they had the same personnel on the field. Brian Flores is a great D.C., and because of that, I think that this could be a big upgrade for that Minnesota Vikings defense. This team's better than people than people realize. I, I genuinely believe that this Minnesota team, as much as we talked about it being fool's gold last season, I'm not sure it was as much fool's gold as everybody realizes because now they did put some of those efforts into the defense. You mentioned some of the things that they did there on offense, and because Kirk Cousins is so darn good at quarterback that I believe in him.
3: <laughs> yes, and he spends a day of the week with his family. So Yes, really and I believe him in him. That guy deserves to win.
4: He walks the dog with his wife. That guy deserves to win. You like that. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I like that. Uh, yeah, and, and it's a team also that that won the division last season. And even though everyone's like, oh, it's the Lions this season. Clearly the Lions are winning the division this season. I don't understand why we are unseating the Minnesota Vikings. Delvin Cook, that's a big one. It, that offense was a, was a run-heavy offense. There are things here about Minnesota that are going to look different this season, but you have vets all over that team as well, and a veteran presence, obviously, at quarterback who has been one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the National Football League for a decade's time. I don't believe in the Packers with Jordan Love. I, I don't think Chicago's there yet. They're still building. The Detroit Lions, they just, I'm not anointing them the NFC North yet until I see it. You're talking about a nine win team that started the season, though, one and six. And that's the Dan Campbell recipe start the season slow, start the season slow, start the season slow. They will be dead in the water if they start the season like that again this season. But I could see it happening in Detroit because we've seen it before. I don't see that happening with Minnesota.
3: Yeah. And as someone that, that pays attention to betting and, and the futures, The Vikings are the underdog behind the Lions right now. And they're a 13-win team. I think they have to be the only 13-win team in football that is getting plus odds to to win the division the next season in what's supposed to be a very winnable division. So I do agree with you that the Vikings are a team that I think I'm a little higher on than the general narrative. And you were talking about their defense. They had a lot of injuries in the secondary last season as well uh, from the previous yeah. year's draft class. So right. there are reasons to be optimistic about what they can be this season, even after they had such a strong year last season.
4: The disrespect comes from those very close wins. It comes from them having to claw back every single one of those close wins and then barely eking it out it comes from the fact that they were 28th in points allowed last season that was not a good defense that defense was not living up to expectations we'll see if this season things can look different in Minnesota not just in the win-loss column but in some of those more advanced statistics as well coming up next here on ESPN radio and ESPN U, should Cincinnati Bengals fans like Andre Snellings be concerned about Joe Burrow's calf
1: This is ESPN Radio.
4: The NFL lives here on ESPN Radio and ESPN. You find him at Professor Dr. Z because he is Dr. Dre. Andre Snellings. Find me as well at Amber W Sports. You are a big Cincinnati Bengals fan. Indeed. And there was concern. There is. With Joe Burrow, and there is concern, I should say it. certainly not was. There is concern with Joe Burrow because he went down early in training camp with the strained calf, and I feel like, Andre, when we were talking about the strained calf, at first, it was a big deal because it's Joe Burrow. I remember getting the alert on my phone, but at first I don't feel like the discussion around it was very alarming. It felt like, okay, calf strain, He's going to be okay. This is the starting quarterback of a very good Cincinnati Bengals team. We're going to be cautious. It's fine. It's just a strain. And now as time has gone on, it feels like there's a bit more panic from Bengals fans like yourselves because Zach Taylor's being mom about it. We're not getting any information about the injury. We don't know what grade the strain is, and we have no idea when we're going to see Joe Burrow again.
3: That's true. But, you know, for me, it's actually the opposite because when it first happened in – Everybody didn't want to say but thought Achilles. It was like heart attack central. And then even when they were saying it's not Achilles, it's really calf, there was this period of time where it was kind of like, is it really just calf? You know, are they just saying that? And, you know, I'm a basketball guy. I thought back to Kevin Durant and what was that, the 2019 finals where he had had the calf strength, what looked like an Achilles. They said it was a calf. He sat out for a little while, came back, and immediately tore his Achilles. So all those things were going through my mind early on. Now it feels like even though there's not a lot of information coming out, there's this sense that they're going to take their time. You know, Jamar Chase coming out and saying, hey, I don't even want him here till week five if he's not ready. I think that's the most important thing is giving him time to heal up and be a 100% healed so that you don't have to worry about it coming up again and again. And if he's not there for the start of the season, you know, that's something we can live with. Him not being there at the end of the season, that's a little different.
4: You can absolutely not live with him not being there at the end of the season. Jamar Chase, his favorite target, he said, I don't need to see my guy until week five. And he also said, though, that he's not worried about the calf strain at all for his starting quarterback. The lack of worry from his teammates is helpful. Also, at the same time, Andre, it's not like... Jamar Chase is gonna be the guy who comes out and it's like, yeah, it's a it's a you know a grade four strain and this is super problematic and we're really concerned and we're all hitting the panic button on the season. That's not going to be what Chase says to the media, even in fact if it was true. But at the same time, the fact that he's going out of his way to say, hey, no big deal, no big deal, and also we can rock with it for weeks into the season. I don't care. We don't need you. Come back week. Five, when I think they play the Cardinals, we'll ease you back into this. We just need you for the second half of the season. It feels like there's a lot of confidence in that team and a lot of confidence in that team beyond just Joe Burrow. Some people took those comments from Jamar Chase and thought, oh, gosh, why is he referencing week five? Mm-hmm. This thing must be more serious than we're realizing.
3: Yeah, I mean, and th- so the thing with Chase in his interviews – he seems to be really straight up. You know, Mm -hmm. anybody could be arguing in a, a, I mean, could be lying in an interview, but his history of interviews, he seems to be really like saying what's on his mind at any given time, for good or for bad. So I think that helps me to trust a little bit in his tone of of we're not worried about it for the long haul. But I wonder if he was honestly too straight up by putting that week five number out there because that is, that is, It's either arbitrary or it's a very specific number. So it does make you wonder if, is that what they're talking about behind the scenes? Maybe it'll be more like week five. But again, even if it is, I don't love that the Bengals start with two division games that'll be really tough without Joe Burrow. But still, I would much rather him not be there for the first month of the season and be there for the last and be able to build up. And play at the level he's shown he can play, as opposed to worrying about reaggravating this injury over and over.
4: Zach Taylor, he is the Cincinnati Bengals head coach. He, of course, was asked, like he will be every single day, <laughs> on the latest on Joe Burrow.
2: He's been great in the meetings, you know, and he does his work with with the trainers and with Joey Bose. Um, so we'll just continue to progress that.
0: Timeline's still the same as it has been. Was there an update on what expect from him?
2: Well, I mean, the timeline is several weeks from when I said several weeks. So we'll just remain. We'll let that play out.
4: The timeline is the timeline, Andre.
3: I laugh every time I hear that because, for one, it's the most – I'm irritated with this question, but I'm still going to try to answer politely answer that, that I've heard in a long time. You know, yeah. Bill Belichick would just shut it down with one word or, you know, Nick Saban or somebody would would, would try to make the, the the interviewer feel bad about asking the question. He's like, I'm still going to answer it with the same words that I used a couple of weeks ago, and uh, you're not going to get me to say anything differently.
4: It's like a subtweet, right? Yes. It's that passive-aggressive response (laughs) where he's being a jerk without really being a jerk. And Zach Taylor, I mean, you ain't Bill Belichick. You ain't the same. (laughs) There's a big difference there. All I'm saying, just in terms of list of accomplishments, you can't Uh, quite be uh, like you'd be a low-key, little bit of a jerk to the media, passive-aggressive-wise. You can't be an outright one (laughs) like we see from some of these guys. The thing, though, with Joe Burrow is there's also this contract extension hanging over the heads of everybody there in Cincinnati, and we haven't heard much in terms of discontent. We haven't heard rumblings that this is going to be any sort of hold in or hold out, and yet we don't have a contract extension for Burrow in place after Jalen Hurts out of the same draft has one after Justin Herbert has one after other big quarterbacks that have had controversies in terms of contracts around the league, like Lamar Jackson has won, and Joe Burrow, who everybody agrees, is a top three quarterback, back in the league he does not yet have one he is going into another year here of a rookie deal when he's eligible for an extension which nobody fully expects. is that part of this does that have anything to do with what's happening Diana Rossini said no that she hasn't at least heard any rumblings that the contract is an issue there as they iron it out she said that the Bengals are being cautious with their star quarterback here is the ESPN NFL reporter.
1: Their season starts in 31 days. Do they think Joe Burrow will be healthy and ready to play?
4: No, no.
2: There, there is concern. There is significant concern in Cincinnati that Joe Burrow will not be ready to go week one. They're going to be very conservative from what I can gather. They're not going to try to roll him out there, push him out there, knowing how competitive the AFC is. Everyone's aware of that. They know who they're facing coming right out of the gate the first two weeks. they got divisional games. But they want to play the smart. They don't want their quarterback injured come January.
4: So that's a smart play. Right now on ESPN, you were showing all the injuries that Joe Burrow has suffered here over the last few seasons that he's been in the league, Andre. I mean, there have been injuries to Joe Burrow every single season. Uh, Some bigger than others, but even the little ones, the dislocated pinky finger. None of that's great from a quarterback perspective. You had the uh, appendix last season, the surgery that's not even on this list. So you've had a lot of injuries to Joe Burrow. It's the National Football League. You have a lot of injuries to everybody. You had an atrocious O-line there season after season after season. Joe Spurrow spent a ton of even their Super Bowl season uh, on his back because he was getting hit so much. So, yes, there are going to be injuries when that happens. You have to protect that guy. You have to be cautious with that guy. And you got to make sure he's ready when you bring him back.
3: Absolutely. You know, they've they've done some work on their offensive line, really in each of the last two off seasons. So hopefully they're better to keep him upright because you're right. He has been hit a lot. And that's not something that can be a a long term prognosis for success. But this injury is more of a soft tissue injury. It wasn't a contact injury. And so it's one that, again, you just kind of got to let it heal because otherwise it becomes a recurring issue. And I'm not so worried, you know, coming back to what you were saying before about the contract status. The feeling is that Joe is going to get his money. The Bengals are going to pay him. If anything, his conversations, when asked about it, have been more about. Structuring the contract so that they, he can keep his teammates, so they can re-sign T. Higgins. And I really feel like it was a good sign that we've had the Bengals announce extensions with defensive players Trey Hendrickson and Logan Wilson in the last couple weeks, because that tells me if they're willing to put their contracts out there, that they feel like they've got the general structure with Joe in place because they know where they fit in.
4: That's all well and good, and I do think that that's a really solid argument, and maybe Joe's team was also waiting to see where Jalen Hurts and where Justin Herbert set the market. Justin Herbert might be the highest paid per four now, uh, but it's not going to happen again because Joe's about to be the highest paid. We know how this thing works, right? You're the highest paid, and then five minutes later, somebody else is the highest paid. So maybe Joe's team was waiting for that to see where those guys set the market. Also, like you said, some of these other signings getting their contract extensions into place. It's about structuring this thing. It's about structuring this thing for years out under the salary cap. But at some point, at some point, it's going to get weird because we all agree that he's going to get paid, that he should get paid, that he's going to be the highest paid. And yet he hasn't yet been paid. This is the point in the show where we ask you to chime into the conversation. Triple eight, say ESPN, what team? It's not the Cincinnati Bengals, but what team in the National Football League is facing a must win proposition or the team is going to face significant changes, whether that's personnel on the field, personnel in terms of the coaching staff or the front office who has to win to save some jobs. Give us a call. Triple eight, say ESPN. We will get to your phone calls after Andre has this word from Granger.
3: For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Have you
2: ridden an electric e-bike yet?
4: Must be on the right side of the win-loss column or things are about to change as we head into this next NFL season. We're inviting your phone calls on the matter. Triple eight, say ESPN, 888 Amber Wilson and Andre Snellings with you. ESPN Radio presented to you by Progressive. Let's get to some of your calls. Hank is calling us from Virginia. Hey, Hank, what team?
0: I mean, how can it not be the Cowboys? Um, You have a conference with, what, two good teams, the Eagles, the 49ers, right? You have have a quarterback who, let's be honest, fails. Y'all talk about Kirk Cousins. When's the last time Dak won a big game? Chiefs, he got nine points. Um, 49ers, two years in a row. I mean, look at his play. He was awful. He was the weak link in the team, but yet nobody talks about it. I got news for y'all when you talk about turnovers. The year he broke his leg, he had seven turnovers through four-and-a-half games, including a pick six in the game he got hurt. In 2021, he led the NFL with 14 fumbles. And then last year, so stop with this narrative that Dak doesn't turn the ball over.
4: He has had double-digit turnovers multiple times in his career, 15 interceptions last season. Not all of those on Dak, but certainly quite a few of those on Dak. You don't have 15 unless some of those are the fault of the quarterback. I always crack up, though, Andre, and I appreciate that phone call. I always crack up when the caller says, no one's talking about it, (laughs) and it's the Dallas Cowboys, and it's Dak Prescott. All we do is talk about it. It's Mm -hmm. all we do on national. Let's talk about the darn Dallas Cowboys. Nobody's talking about it. Nobody's talking about Dak Prescott. It's all we're talking about.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we've talked today about Aaron Rodgers and the Jets and how they're getting so much attention. They won the offseason, and they still don't necessarily get more attention than the Cowboys uh, on any any given season. So, yeah, there's always going to be pressure on the Cowboys because – at least among their following, the expectation is always that they're going to win a Super Bowl. And they haven't come near to that in a long time. And they've built a strong team. And yes, Dak led the league in interceptions last year. So they're going to want to um, uh, see some return on that investment. But, you know, this is just, I mean, it's a Wednesday or Thursday, whatever it's, it's business as usual. It's always talk about the Cowboys.
4: Well, and also we learned yesterday, we were talking about quarterbacks yesterday and we learned through that experiment that everybody thinks that everyone is a hater of their quarterback. Everybody thinks that their quarter, that, that nobody's giving the respect due to their quarterback. It's like this thing that we do. Right. Mm -hmm. And with Dak, It's like no one's talking about his deficiencies except for everyone's talking about (laughs) about his deficiencies. I don't agree with that caller to the extent of the division. Uh, It's it's a weak conference. The NFC. It's not a weak division, though, inside the NFC. And I believe in the Giants more than most people. So you've got the Giants to deal with in that conference. And, of course, we know the Philadelphia Eagles. So I do think the Cowboys, to some extent, have their hands full in that regard, even though, generally speaking, the NFC is wide open. Triple H, say ESPN. That's how you join the conversation. Hey, James. James is calling us from Dallas. Who's the team?
0: Thank you for taking my call. I'm going to say it's the New England Patriots. Um, You have the GOAT in Bill Belichick, who's done great things in the past, uh, but that's what everybody talks about is the past. I just want to see what he's going to be doing this year. And in that division, every team has improved. And there's really not a spark, I feel or see, uh, in the Patriots this year. And I felt that they should have made a serious attempt to get DeAndre Hopkins to bring Mac Jones some help. Um, But, you know, besides that, there's just not something that just gives you a positive outlook to the future going forward. And if they don't do something really good this year, um, I think there's going to be a lot of changes in New New England.
4: And I don't think they're going to be able to do something really good this year. I think that's a completely stacked division. And I think kind of like the story of Tom Brady, but Tom Brady, obviously an unbelievably elite talent, maybe the best that we've ever seen in rising up the talent around him. I'm not sure they've put Mac Jones in a true position here with the weapons around him that he might need to succeed. Bill O'Brien helps. It certainly helps the equation. I don't believe Bill Belichick is any way on the hot seat, but I do think that in terms of personnel on the field, that team will change if they don't win this season.
3: Yeah, you know it's it's funny how having an offensive coordinator is a positive when it comes right. to a, a, a team with a young quarterback. But yeah, I think that Mac Jones is on the hot seat this season. If if the team is not successful, I think that he's the one that is most likely to not be there moving forward. I think Belichick is there pretty much as long as he wants to be, or at least well beyond this season. And and as we just pointed out, they just brought in the offensive coordinator. But I think it's the quarterback that if he's not able to show in year three that he's either currently the guy or making strides towards becoming the guy, he's the one that could be on the outside looking in.
4: David is calling from my neck of the woods down here in Florida. Hey, David, what team is on the hot seat?
0: Yeah. Hey, Amber. Good morning. Hey, good Dre. Morning. Thanks for taking my call. You may like may not like to hear this, Amber, but I'm gonna say our dolphins. What? What changes?
4: What changes, <laughs> and I, and I, and David? Like you, you think what? Mike McDaniel and and,
0: and, 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 I, and I'm gonna tell you what? No, not not with Mike McDaniel, but the most important spot on the team, the quarterback. Okay.
4: Because because, because
0: let's just say Tua doesn't work or Tua gets hurt, and they will extend them.
4: Uh huh. I think so, that's a. F- I Where are you going to
5: go from there?
4: Right, I think. It, and thanks so much, David, for the call. I think it's a fair nomination from this regard. If I'm if I'm objected, I don't want to hear it, like David said, right, as a Dolphins fan. But I think it's a reality for both me and David as Dolphins fans. There's a reason that none of us are talking about Tua Tungavloa getting an extension. Don't forget, Dre. I mean, we're talking about a first rounder. Yeah. From that same draft as Justin Herbert, the guy who right behind him got drafted, and nobody was questioning whether Herbert was going to get an extension this summer, and he did. (laughs) And Joe Burrow is going to get an extension this summer, right? Justin, or Jalen Hurts out of that same draft behind Tua Tungvaloa, Got the extension this summer. None of us are even talking about it with Tua because none of us expect it to happen because it ain't happening. The Dolphins picked up his fifth year option, but they don't need to extend him at this point until they figure out if Tua is durable enough to be the starting quarterback of the Dolphins. The question no longer is Tua's arm strength. The question has never been Tua's accuracy. The question isn't whether Tua can run Mike McDaniel's offense. We saw all of that in the first half of the season before the head injuries. The question is, once again, in Tua Tunglavloa's career, can he stay healthy? Can he play in the national football league or at any level? Cause it didn't even happen in high school and nevertheless college. Can he play at any level for an entire season long? That's what the dolphins are waiting to see. And if that doesn't happen this season, I agree with David. I do think the dolphins will end up looking forward to move on from Tua eventually here.
3: Yeah, I can agree. First of all, I was cracking up because David said the Dolphins and then I heard a click and he got silent. I was like, did Amber just hang up on him? Right.
4: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what was happening. The timing with David was a little off. I kept thinking like he was done and then, yeah, it happens. Yeah, but maybe he was on an island down here in Florida, you know, rough cell reception on some of these islands. Yeah, well, you
3: would know. I would know. (laughs) Yeah, she would. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I can agree with with that point about Tua, but you know, just amplifying the point, not only was he a first round draft pick in that you know quarterback heavy draft, um, it was tanking for Tua. You know, it it, it wasn't whatever losing for Burrow or whatever, or you know, uh, not winning for Herbert. I can't think of any letter uh, <laughs> alliterations, but it was tanking not for Tua. Not your work. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was tanking for Tua, and and so. He he showed in college what he could be, but you're right. If he can't stay healthy, then you know, the the team can't depend on him moving forward. And so that is going to be the 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 question this year. Cause last season, he didn't just run the offense. They were like absurd while he was healthy. You know, like mm-hmm. his efficiency with those receivers, they were doing their thing. So yes, if he can stay healthy, it's all good. But if they're losing, that probably means he's not healthy, which means yes, there could be changes.
4: They have put him in every position to succeed with the moves that they have made around him that is a loaded team in terms of weapons I think Dalvin Cook is also going to join that team and give him another weapon there in the backfield I too is in a position to succeed but can he succeed can that O-line protect him and can he stay upright and can he also avoid with whatever it is the jujitsu he's been doing this summer to learn how to fall differently whatever it needs to be in order to stay healthy coming up next more of your phone calls, 888-SAY-ESPN. What team must win now, this season, or there's about to be some changes?
2: Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Yeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured...
1: This is ESPN Radio.
4: Amber Wilson, Andre Snellings. Find him at Professor Dr. Z. Find me as well at Amber W Sports. You can watch us on ESPNU. You're listening to us, of course, on ESPN Radio. And we love when you chime into the conversation. 888-729-3776. We are asking you, what team in the NFL is facing a must-win now or significant changes are going to happen after this season? Michael, Hey Michael, thanks for the call. You're calling us from Indiana. What team? There's a lot of noise in the background. Michael, are you with us? All right, I'm punting. I'm punting on Michael. I need you all to turn your radios down if you're listening on on right now and holding on the phone line. Will Will is calling us from San Antonio. Hey Will, do better than Michael.
5: Uh, yes, thank you. Uh, so I think the team that must win. I think it's definitely the Buffalo Bills. Um, if you look at their roster, I think they've had a Super Bowl caliber roster for the past like four or five years legitimately. Um, and right now for me, it just feels like they're struggling or are never going to get past Kansas City and Cincinnati. Um, and we got to stop giving them a pass. They have one of the top quarterbacks in the league. They have a great uh, coach. They have a, a great team and, and, I kind of feel like if they underachieve or if they don't get past Cincinnati or Kansas City, I think it's going to implode. And then you still have the things with Stephon Diggs that was going on. Um, I think they tried to put it to rest and say that everything is fine. But I can see if they have an underachieving season that the problems resurface with Stephon Diggs. So I think you're definitely going to have to move him and a lot of other pieces around Josh Allen. So I think if they don't get it done this year, that team can look very, very different in the next two or three years.
4: I'm glad Will went into specifics there, Andre, because yes. initially he started off saying the Bills, and then he said they've got a really good coach, they've got a really good quarterback, <laughs> they've got a really good everything. And I'm thinking, well, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, like, who's losing their job right. if they don't win to the expectations that we all have for that Buffalo team this season? We saw it last season. Not many people, right? I mean, disappointing end in a postseason for the Bills again, considering where the expectations are for a Super Bowl-caliber team. However, there weren't many changes in the offseason because where are the changes coming from when you are set to be a Super Bowl contending team? And most people feel that way about Buffalo. Now, Leslie Fraser you know, taking the taking the season off from coaching. You know McDermott now he's he's going to be fully in charge there of that defense. Like, are there some tweaks to be made on his staff under him if they underachieve in the postseason once again? I suppose. I think it's interesting when you talk about that situation with maybe the tension there between Josh Allen and one of his receivers. But that's tension that we've seen from Diggs before in other places as well.
3: Yeah, I mean, so one of the things when we were talking about this earlier, uh, you mentioned tortured fan bases and. I I think that's part of the issue with what's going on, or or at least why there's more pressure on Buffalo, is because they have the history not of necessarily being terrible recently, but of being a a, a Super Bowl caliber team that never won the Super Bowl. Like for four years in a row in the 90s, they made the Super Bowl and didn't win. And so now as they're kind of coming through this generation of team and they keep being almost there but can't quite beat Mahomes, almost there but can't quite beat Burrow, I think that there maybe is some pressure that y'all got to get there. We can't just keep being a hit away. Now, who would lose their job, you know, to the caller's point? Maybe if if the situation with Diggs is worse than we, you know, worse than it appears that it should be, then you never really know. but. Uh, I, I think a lot of that pressure is coming from the fact that they've never gotten there as an organization and that's coming down on the current team.
4: Yeah, Diggs will be on the losing end of that one if they were to move on. But the thing is, like, Diggs is also a top receiver, right? Yeah. I mean, the the reality is it's not production that would be the problem between Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen because everybody believes in those two players. It would be maybe chemistry. It would be tensions. It would be having to change things in the locker room. That's the only reason that you would move on from Diggs. We'll see what happens with the Buffalo Bills this season. We're also seeing what happens on the phone line when we open them up to you. Triple say ESPN, no pressure. Jameel is calling us from North Carolina. Jameel, who's the team that must
0: win now? Good morning. I think the I think some, we should be talking about the 49ers. And, and here, here's here's my logic. A Super Bowl window for most teams is three to five years. And we're I'm a 49er fan, lifelong fan. And we're closing in on the end of that window, the end of that period. And so Kyle Shanahan, as phenomenal as he is, as an offensive coordinator, let's be honest, um, when it comes to critical moments, He's dropped the ball, and he's been out coached in some critical moments, even going back to his days at Atlanta. And so I really want to see them do something this year, of course. And if not, then I think the conversation is open. They should be on the hot seat.
4: I watched Kyle Shanahan's team compete in a conference championship last season with Mr. Irrelevant. And also with a team that, once Mr. Irrelevant went down, had Christian McCaffrey throwing passes because they ran out of quarterbacks in a conference. That team, that team made it to that point in the postseason. I have a really hard time believing there will be changes. Now, could there be changes at the quarterback position if Brock doesn't look like Brock looked during those seven games or whatever it was last season from him? Sure. Could Trey Lance get another shot here? Could Sam Darnold be the answer? Who knows in terms of that quarterback room in San Francisco? I could believe that. I do not believe anything about changes with that coaching staff.
3: Yeah, no, I agree entirely. I mean, not only they were in the NFC Championship last year, it hasn't been that long ago that they were in the Super Bowl. and you know the coaching staff has been excellent the quarterback position has been ever changing it was supposed to be Trey Lance was the guy and they had Garoppolo and you know now Brock Purdy came in and finished strong and now they've got Sam Darnold as a backup so that, I think, is up in the air. That could change multiple times again this year, not be surprising, and wouldn't be surprising if it's entirely different going in the next season. But the coaching staff, yeah, they're not going anywhere.
4: And there'd be more heat on that situation if the rotation in quarterback and the questions at quarterback were because they weren't getting anything out of their quarterbacks and they'd missed on all of their picks. It's because of injuries. That team was decimated by injuries, and that is something that is very hard to hold against the head coach. Triple eight, say ESPN. Henry is calling us from Chi-Town. Hey, Henry.
0: Good morning. Uh, I've heard all the teams that uh, these callers say are, are destined for changes. Let me give you the team that's destined for sure for changes. If the Chicago Bears don't produce a winning season, not only do the head coach, the general manager, and the owner have something in store for themselves, they have to leave the city of Chicago, go to Arlington. I'll rent Ubers and give them free Ubers and transfer them from Chicago to Arlington Heights.
4: Uh, Thanks so much for the call, Henry. I-, I don't agree. I don't agree that that's where the change would be in Chicago. Could I see a change at that quarterback position? If Justin Fields doesn't look like some of that promise that he has showed with a team that was ripped all the way down to the studs and is being built back up, but because they took it down to the studs and they're, building it back up. I, I mean, I, I just don't see a scenario where they're moving on from Eberflus this season because it doesn't pan out right away, or they're moving on from polls. I think that that's too lofty of an expectation there from Chicago Bears fans. Even Courtney Cronin, who covers the Bears for us here at ESPN Nation, she doesn't expect them to win the division. She expects them to come in last.
1: This is ESPN Radio.
2: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.